Welcome to Strategic Insights, brought to you by PrideStaff. On each episode, we bring you interviews with leading management and employment experts from across the country. Your host for Strategic Insights is Brad Smith. And now, here's Brad. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Strategic Insights from PrideStaff. I'm your host, Brad Smith. And this is going to be part two of our series on building super teams. I'm joined by owner and strategic partner of Pride Staff Cincinnati Northwest, John Gemrich. John, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Brad. Thank you. So, John, in part one, we talked about the importance of sourcing and hiring the right people. To reiterate that, the U.S. Department of Labor found that the average cost of a bad hire is up to 30% of the employee's first year earnings. On top of that, bad hires take a toll on morale and team productivity. Now, we talked about how to make sure that we're sourcing, recruiting, and hiring the right people. But once we've identified and hired those right people, it doesn't stop there. We need to make sure that we have a plan to develop and nurture them to form a super team and continue to make sure that that team is working towards a shared goal. So, John, I hear all types of organizational leaders talk about developing a strong team purpose, a solid vision, and very specific goals. How do leaders really go about doing this? I think leaders must first ensure that they understand the mission of their organization and that their team, what is their expected role and contribution to that mission, then it is initiated through communication. People have to understand what that mission is. People have to understand what the goals of the team are, and they must understand the end user of that output and the impact of poor product and or slow service delivery time uh, in those regards. So, John, in your experience, is this something that you cover during onboarding? Is this something that you continue to have to reinforce over and over and over with people? What's that timeline look like? You know, it, it's a never-ending timeline, uh, mm-hmm. truly, that the reinforcing the mission, the goals uh, of the organization starts day one. Um, you're sharing why you, and the purpose behind the company, how you deliver on that purpose, and maximize value to your clients or shareholders or end user and customer. Um, it continues through an individual's contribution and performance and the team's performance at key points along the way. There should be a communication of how they're performing versus those goals, shared wins with clients that the team and or organization uh, directly impacted. And then at an individual level, somebody should have communication at key touch points to let them know how their overall performance impacted the customer and client. It should be an open environment of sharing stories and wins as well, especially as they impact the mission directly or a client directly. I love that sharing wins and open communication back and forth, and I'm sure that can help build trust over time. How else can organizations build trust with their teams so that there's two-way trust and that teams can prosper? You know, one of my favorite things to do is, is when you manage, and whether you're managing at a line level or an executive level, catch somebody doing something right and celebrate that as openly and as broadly as you can. And I think that overall has been one of the key successes I've seen with organizations is that they don't pull people in the room to have conversations about poor performance, which doesn't mean they're not addressed in an appropriate time and fashion, but they're celebrating the wins. They're celebrating the things they catch people, right? And then they encourage more of that across the board. 
I love that. Instead of pointing out what people are doing wrong, focus on those examples of people doing the right thing. And that becomes much more motivating over time. Now, you mentioned the importance of open communication at several points and collecting and getting feedback. How do organizations go about getting that feedback so that it's it's real, it's honest, and it's authentic, and it's something that they can use to, to make change? You know, it starts with an open-door policy of management, and they have to make sure that their employees know and hear that I'm, I'm ready to hear from you, and we're ready to hear the bad and the good. And there's nothing you can't share with me as your leader about things that are impacting your ability to be successful. I think it's also important for leaders to share with their individuals that my job is to make your job easy. It's make it so you can be successful in the mission and meet client demand. And every time you have an opportunity to make sure they understand that it's important. I think the other thing we have to do is have some long, hard looks. A lot of companies today talk about staffing shortages. We hear it all the time. But often it may be a retention issue. Why aren't people staying with the company? And opening ourselves up to exit interviews is one of the areas that as a temporary provider or even a direct hire provider, we can touch base with folks that don't stay with an organization when we expect them to understand and help the client realize maybe there are some opportunities to enhance onboarding processes, management routines, or even the point of somebody feeling like they're a welcome and, and a member of that team, regardless of their status as an employee. Wonderful. I love that concept of exit interviews and trying to learn about the reasons that an employee loved the organization and things that they would have changed if they could have some some impact or some influence. Now, on the flip side of that, you do a lot of temporary and contract staffing. How do organizations go about getting that feedback from temporary employees or what process or tools do you use to gather that feedback? We open that right up front with the client before we put placement day one with them. We're understanding why they're asking for temporary staff. It is because of a shortage or because of a growth in business or some other need. Um, if they feel like they're having a shortage, we then open the question up regarding uh, turnover. And if there was an opportunity that presented itself, would you be open to feedback from our organization that we collected from temporary staff? Most of the time, they're very receptive to that. And a lot of times when we do share that feedback, and, and if it's not 100% positive, they're usually aware of that situation and they actually appreciate the supporting commentary that helps them make good managerial decisions. It's always hard for all of us in those situations, but often we know where our problems are and getting a little more evidence to help take action on those uh, concerns is a win all the way around in my book. For sure. Yeah. And, and just being able to solicit that information and having a partner that's going to get that for you, help your organization improve, drive change in the organization can be invaluable. So I, I absolutely love that. In episode one, we talked about generational differences a little bit and how they impact recruiting. Gen Z is entering the workforce. Gen X is no longer the predominant uh, player in the workforce. So how have things changed from Gen X to millennials to Gen Z? What are you seeing? You know, the biggest thing we're seeing is that Gen Z is less focused on a company. I think they've seen parents, grandparents lose positions uh, that were tenured within organizations and ask, why should I be tied heavily to any single organization? I, w I don't want to have a 30-year tenure. And so an employer has to ask, well, what, what can I give this Gen Z employee? And it's often additional skills, the opportunity to learn new skills, the opportunity 
to contribute to meaningful work, evidencing to them how that work impacts clients, and really helping them build their resume for where they want to take their career. I am a high encourager of a leader or an individual uh, that manages uh, folks to ask the question, where do you see yourself in three to five years? And be ready for it's not sitting with you and your organization and be okay with an answer. How do I help that individual take those next steps? And we will likely see within the next, you know, uh, two to five years that a tenure of, you know, two, six, seven years is a long time with any company nowadays. John, historically, when you look at hiring, some people were scared away from job hoppers, people that leave after a year and a half, two years, three years, and have had multiple jobs. Should we still be scared of that? I don't think so. I think you have to dig behind why somebody is moving from one organization to the other. Does that career path make sense? Uh, In today's age, making an assumption on a resume is probably not the best use of your time, I think picking up the phone and letting uh, either your recruiters or our recruiters ask those questions and get to the story. And if that person has the skill set you want and that story about why they've moved from position to position uh, is clear and understandable and fits with your organizational values, there should be nothing holding you back from moving forward. Wouldn't we all love to have a contributing member that has the skills we need and the attitude we desire to be on our team for two to four years. I know I certainly would. John, thank you so much for your insight today. To wrap up, what are some key takeaways for those that are listening that want to build super teams? What what are some of your key things that you should do right now? I think everyone should have a clear understanding of what their, their vision is, what the sense of shared values are that you have among your team. I think there should be a clear delineation of responsibilities and each one of those persons should be held accountable to achieve those responsibilities at a, um, at a measurable level for the team. Last but not least, and I share this with my team all the time, is you have my permission to go do great and awesome things for our customers, clients um, on a daily basis. And, and don't wait for my permission to do something that you know needs to be done and take action. Um, often it's uh, your instincts will lead you down the right path and we'll do wonderful things for them day in and day out with that attitude. I love that last point. You're empowering people and you're giving them the freedom to do great things. So John, thank you so much for your insight. We really appreciate it. Of course. Uh, Thank you, Brad. And thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to visit pridestaff.com for additional information, some great white papers, amazing blog posts, and other podcast episodes. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Strategic Insights brought to you by Pride Staff. Whether you're looking for high-level workforce consulting or staffing help to meet demands, Pride Staff is here to help.